0: All right, everybody, it's time to get legendary. Let's open up the Weekly Vault and see what we have in here today. Corey and Hollis and Jameson talking landmarks. We've got... We got a new
1: card type, fellas.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This is actually pretty huge, right, for for a game in this stage of its infancy, so to speak, right? Um, What they have done to... Push this game already is is like we're already in card overload, right? Like if you look at what we've been from the core set to you know Rising Tides expansion, you know to Call the we, Mountain to all of what we're exploding here now, right? Like uh in its official timed release cycle, um, we're we're coming out of the gate with with incredible like mechanic overload. But I think that's good from a perspective of, you know, keeping the game so fresh, we're not burning out on it, right? Like there's no, um, you're not seeing fatigue. Um, the balance changes have still been coming fast and furious on schedule. M- mechanics, cards, cards, cards. Um, I-, I don't think this game is, is going to age, age out. I, I think they're they're really snowballing um, very well.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to show just how f- much they've had planned out in advance. And definitely as they've been designing, you know, as I ex- mentioned, they design these expansions as kind of like complete experiences and packages, but they release it, you know, in kind of three parts to make sure that they're not just overwhelming you with all these mechanics and things at one time. Because imagine if... You know, who knows what's going to be in the next like small update, but then if they had just dumped all of this on us at one time to try to like absorb and figure out decks and combinations with all of this, I feel like there would probably have been a lot of things that would have got left by the wayside or maybe some characters and deck ideas. That people wouldn't have played with because maybe better things may have rose out too fast and things to sort of get left behind so i think like the way that they're releasing and introducing these new things is so much easier to digest and it creates a better play experience overall for the player base
0: Hollis, do you think we would have seen a lot of people (sighs) um, get too confused then um,
2: if this was all released inside a core set package well, so it, it's very apparent that the card pool—the the card pool itself—is going to get rather large as far as uh, you know what, what we're going to see for what's playable, right? I mean, ultimately, event you know, th- I think they're going to get to a point where we have to start talking about things like rotation. But until then, it's also still important to grow this collection, to be so diverse, to showcase all of the options that come with a game like Terra and uh, you know, kind of at least make it stand out among other competitors and anyone else look, like looking for a new card game to play. So it's really dope that they are trying to make a whole lot of new content that we can digest in cards, but also break it up and give it to us, in some cases, piecemeal so that it gets figured out a bit. And those, those concepts can always be expanded upon later as the card uh, pool continues to mature and develop. Yep.
0: And, and like I said, I think it's coming in fast enough. Right. Like those people that obviously if if you weren't around for the extended betas, you know, alpha, beta, you know, and then if we just look at general population release from that point till now. You know, you shouldn't be fatigued with anything. And I think the way that they've sectioned it off in in chunks and releasing it is really cool. It allows you to take that first building block, learn mechanics, build onto it, build onto it. Um, So we're seeing what's coming in the next part of this expansion. I'm really super stoked, really excited here. Um, I have to say that. if we look at what we have right now with um, nightfall and daybreak, to me, those were kind of underwhelming mechanics. Um, they didn't really flush flush out or or feel as cool while I was playing it than than it was introduced. I mean, there was a lot of new cards, there was a lot of excitement there, but I'm you know, I'm not really yeah, I, I, I think. It kind of was like underwhelming. So what is coming with this one here? If, if this had been the first set they released of this expansion, my mind would have just probably been all over the sidewalk. It's, it's really cool. We've seen some stuff with, um, you, you know, the new Bilge champion, these new build cards, Bilge, sh- um, but landmarks. Thoughts on this, guys. So, Landmarks here are a new card type. They're played like a unit, but can't attack, block, take damage, um, and they're going to have a persistent effect on the entire game. Um, There's only... We're obviously not seeing different ways to remove them yet. We know that they're going to go and back change a whole bunch of... um, Maybe not a whole bunch, but a bunch of cards that can remove landmarks um, which is awesome in the digital age to go and retroactively do that and fix your game on the fly Um, but yeah they take up a spot on the bench the one thing that is not 100% clear is that I think I'm hearing that the cost has to be paid in regular mana have you guys heard anything about that like you can't
1: Use yeah. Your spell it doesn't mana. use it doesn't use spell mana cuz yeah. you pay for it like a unit. Yep. So, so it uses your regular your regular mana pool and everything in order to be able to cast them.
0: Which will be really interesting cuz you look at some of these ones that are a little more beefier, right? Um you know the Freljord one is already at 7. So, I mean at that point in the game, you know, it, it, is it going to be as dominant, right? So it, I, I hopefully you're doing some kind of thing to ramp it up or sneak it. Well, out, that's but.
1: that's Freyhart's thing, right? Well, I guess let's go over them real quick. I guess there's three of them that's been been revealed, right? Yep. Um. So the first one that they did with the announcement, um, that's the Vaults of Helia, um, and that is the um, which group is that? Oh, Shadow Isles. Yeah, so Shadow Isles. Um, and that has a round start so it's five cost round start. you kill your most expensive ally to summon an ally from your deck that costs one more. And this falls in really well to the strategy of Shadow Isle decks that like want to play creatures that you know die, they come back and they like grow and have different like effects or they're like a one one that when they die, like the cursed guy who turns into a four four golem. Um, it really kind of uh, Brings out like that deck archetype a little bit more, and gives you another way to kind of like self-sacrifice your your creatures to to funnel all those triggers and things that the Shadow Isles has on on minion death. So it's a pretty cool card. It definitely themes really well with that faction.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see if you can turn it off, right? Like we know this takes a slot on the on your on your board on your bench, (laughs) right? Can you write over it like a regular
1: unit? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it becomes an option if you can remove it, right? Just because,
0: um, like, I look at this, you know, vaults of Helia and uh, you know, kill your most expensive ally, Hollis. Like, what are you feeling with this right now? I mean, because most expensive ally could be your champion. Boom, ksh, gone.
2: Yeah, and like, I feel like one of my biggest issues if I have to like, well, I mean, in general, we're judging the card, right? Like, one of my biggest issues, or or about trying to evaluate it. Uh, one of my biggest issues with Vaults of Helia is the fact that, you know, it, it does have an end. Eventually, you know, your strongest thing is because there's no other strongest thing, <laughs> right? So you just you just lose that. You just lose. Now it's cool to ramp up in units. That's pretty interesting, but because it comes out at five mana, to me, that's the harder part of it. Is at some point it's like okay, at, when I when this comes out at five mana, what is the you know, what is the most expensive other unit that I haven't played? Is it just my four cost? Okay, so now my four is getting a five. My five is getting a six. My six is getting a seven. How much is that going to make a difference versus me just playing a different unit on five and trying to play the rest of my hand from, I guess, effectively from curve? I don't know. I feel like this is an, I'm I'm interested to see what people come up with, but it's hard for Mm -hmm. me personally to evaluate how good it is because that seems like a difficult evaluation to me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I it, would think that
0: we'll probably hopefully see some more playable cards in that region that are higher mana costing cards that have very stronger last breath stuff, um, you
1: know, stuff. I mean, even if you look at some of the inner triggers, like um, the general whoever that comes in and deals, you know, like half the damage to your opponent's crystal, like if you fetch him out with the, with the vault, like... There's some other, they have some other interesting kind of like interplay trigger abilities and stuff too. So it's interesting. Like I said, I, I definitely think we have to see what they release to go along with it in the set, um, how well you can build around it. But I think there's, there's a decent enough triggers that can make it worthwhile right now.
0: Cause it's an interesting piece, right? Cause if you don't do anything else, always the card that gets summoned out is going to be your new highest. So that's only mm-hmm. going to really stick around for one turn, right? You know? But unless you do something, right? Cause you're, you're getting it for free. All right. What's next?
1: You want to do the next one? Hellas? You want me no, to get for, it? Yeah. All right, cool. It's the slaughter Docks. Um, so this is the, uh, bilge water. Uh, so it's obviously going to be Jameson's favorite. Um, at the round, at the start of the round, you toss one. And if you are deep, you destroy it to summon a random sea monster. And what's cool about this one, it's only a three cost. So you can get it down early. It's funneling you to get deep faster. And then once it gets you to deep, it turns into a sea monster to help escalate your game plan. This card seems like money for deep decks. Like it just seems like that next little bit of ramp to help get them there.
0: Really excited to see uh, um, a card space and a design space push push sea monsters again maybe this is exactly what we need to to make that archetype a little more dominant in the meta um it, it came and went i i know when hollis when you jumped in this um uh, you were all about going deep and um <laughs> nautilus yeah he was <laughs> <laughs> right you I, I mean that was a mechanic that you looked at right away right um so what's your thoughts around this right because you know you come in you get attached to a mechanic and it kind of just went obsolete like really
2: quick you think this is something that can can bring it back um actually I, I kind of do so what's interesting about deep is that if you go back just maybe like two patches ago like 1.9 or so I think I want to say there were deep there were some players that were very high that were very high ranked on ladder because of deep decks I think it was just 1.9 so, and I, I think the other thing that really happened is that you know aggro decks got even better, and then we saw you know with the addition of the new cards from the Target expansion thus far, it's kind of changed very much how the meta is dictated and leaning towards aggro. In general, I think that sort of like facilitates that all decks in the meta kind of have to speed up a bit if you're if you're going versus aggro and you're not playing aggro yourself. So. The idea that on the horizon we have a card to kind of speed up the deep mechanic, which is not a quick mechanic, right, and help try to push it towards, I guess, that sort of like equivalency and like how it sets up. I think it's amazing. I think it could actually be significant. And again, I think what I like about it is that landmarks to me have an inherent issue just with taking up a board slot. So this gets to self-terminate itself when it's no longer useful. And give you the and then like transform itself into a, a board uh, board control that you could actually be a uh, more useful. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I I look at this card though, and I too wonder if um, if maybe we're just gonna see a rehashing at first of the older kind of deep decks um, and use this just as an accelerator, right? Like if you can get this on the board for uh, three cost, you don't really have to worry about all of those other tricks that, uh, you know, that were there hoping that you're going to get a card that you can play to to toss or, or t- to accelerate your deep stuff again, right? So this is just something that's automatically going to happen if landmarks are as sticky as they say they could be, um, right? Will that old archetype just use this as a acceleration boost? Um, Mm -hmm. really cool though. Right again. So we're seeing a low cost landmark here in, um, the decks of Bilgewater, the docks.
1: Yeah. But, but now to go to the opposite end of the spectrum to see what a high cost landmark could be. The last one that they've leaked out was the Freyord one, the howling abyss. Um, this is a seven cost round start create in hand a random level two champion. That's not in your hand deck or play. Um, weird so, right? Weird. Yeah. Right? So, so this could get out of control, but it is very late game. Like, of course, Freyard wants to ramp to big drops, and this is definitely like a big drop. What's interesting about it is you ramp up to this big drop, and technically, it does nothing when you play it because you're going to ramp up, you're then going to play it, then you have to wait for the round start trigger, and then hope it's a relevant and good level two champion that can actually, like, swing the game for you, whether it's an effect or an ability. Um, So it's definitely, like, I'm investing a lot of this. Roll the dice, see what happens. And it also matters on, like, what you're playing against, right? Because it won't copy anything you're already using, and it won't copy anything that's in play. So if your opponent has, you know, one that'd be really useful, you know you're not going to get that one. Um, It's interesting. It definitely seems like another, like, late-game option. But there is like a bit of like a wait period between. It makes me like really wonder how reliably good it can be. But maybe that's the good thing about it is that it's not reliably good because of that random mechanic. It can get a little nutty. Well, this is the one that I'm worried about the
0: most, um, hmm. and that's only because of the random element there. Um, if we look at you know these kind of mechanics from a hearthstone perspective you know where it was creating random legendaries right like you know sometimes you know that other person is is going to be building a state um your you know your opponent is going to be on point ready to go you could be on the verge of surrendering and all of a sudden you're just like oh, I'm just going to wait it out and drop this down here but and all of a sudden it just creates the exact Awesome <laughs> level two champion that
1: just just right. Your your level dominates you. Right, th- your your level two Aurelian Soul. Yeah, that you play, but you still have to get to enough mana to be able to play him. Right, it's going to um, create
0: it in. It's going to create it in your hand, but yeah, I I just mean that that it could be so wacky and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's also weird from a sense like you said controlled randomness, right? Like obviously, if you are building a deck with this in it, the heroes that you put in that deck already, you know, you're not going to get. So, I mean, this could technically not even help you at all. Like just un like some weird synergy that just doesn't go. You just, Oh, I've just created a body. I've worked up to it. Here we
1: go. Um, yeah, man, you get your level two Teemo. Yeah. Ooh. You only had, to, you only had to pay seven, <laughs> seven man and wait a way to turn to get there. I'm gonna go
2: ahead and before we go a step further, I'm gonna go ahead and call that when the Howling Abyss drops, they will errata Timo to instead <laughs> also give it. Basically, they're gonna rename, uh, they're gonna redo Timo two. That'll basically be like add if if your opponent doesn't have 15 puff caps, add 15 puff caps. <laughs> if your opponent does have 15 puff caps, double exist at least 15, double the existing. Because otherwise, <laughs> there's no way they're gonna let Timo a champion be that useless. Sorry, in rant. <laughs> No. Well,
0: I mean yeah, they don't have to show you the code in the back, right? But No. <laughs> but then the other weird part about this card is the controlled sense of the randomness where it is saying in play, right? So mm-hmm. um if you really need something that your opponent has, well you better work to remove that from the board and then go The one thing I ask you guys is is it been clarified anywhere that is discard part of your deck? Right, like, does deck mean like
1: what you bring? Like, this is my deck from the start. I think so. I think so. I, I think it would mean everything that's kind of in your registered card list, effectively, that the game client and stuff will read when you start playing. Mm. So, cool. So the, any
0: other thoughts? There on are. Uh, oh yeah, go Hollis.
2: Well, no, I mean, I was, I was gonna add just for the the weirdness of this card. Like so, it also creates situations where you could also like. Okay, number one, here's the here's what sucks about this. It's a, it's not always just seven cost. It only creates the level two champion in your hand.
1: So right. if you, still you have to pay at, for it.
2: Yeah. So that's actually a that's a that's not really just a like seven cost. That is a seven plus whatever champion you get
1: cost. Correct. And that's that's heavy. Yeah, because effectively you're paying seven for a do nothing card. Right, it's not going to do anything when you play it. It has to stick, and then it has to last out. Like your opponent has to not have an answer for it,
0: the, yeah, and the then it hit. has to trigger. Think of the tempo hit this is going to create, right? Like if you're yeah. right, if you're dropping, so it risky. on 7, If you're right, if you're but dropping here, this on seven, you're essentially like hoping that your board can can hold you for that next turn, right? Uh, you, you're but, giving you're giving a, a a big boost over
2: to the other side. Hear me out though. So check this out though. <laughs> what if, and this is nutty, right? Be- because of the uh, like the two drop that ramps and the and wording styles. I can't remember what the name of the two drop is. But what if because of that ramp? Because this card can come out maybe as early as like turn five slash turn six. You can probably get it maybe five.
1: Five is probably you... like a probably a safe, consistent early spot. You might be able yeah. to drop it on. So if you can
2: drop this on five, though, see, then you start getting into the territory of, like, champions that can, like, weirdly champions that are impactful at a fair cost. Garen, impactful. Uh, Quinn, impactful. Mm -hmm. Like, these cards can help, you know, really, really change, like, you winning the game. But then you also end up getting
1: Teemo, too. I think the biggest thing that we have to wait and see too is one, like how many landmark removal cards there will be and how good the landmark removal cards will be. Um, Because you also have to see like how regular you're going to see answers for landmarks because like this obviously feels like a build around card or it's going to be one of like your big ramps. And if it becomes something that becomes a deck, but landmark destruction actually becomes something that, Every deck will have, in some form or fashion, this becomes a really risky card to play with. So, imagine. So the sea.
2: Imagine putting a champion you don't want in your deck, so the, uh, Howling Abyss pulls only champions you do want.
1: You have like a bunch of one ofs. Yeah, like, yes, all, yes, all the ones. <laughs> Dude, it's the meta of the. It's so smart, now. Yeah, please, please don't do that. Please don't, please don't do that. Try it out yeah <laughs> try it out report back put, put, post in the comment section tell us how mad you are at Hollis for giving you that idea
0: I am really mm. really excited for this mm. this style of mechanic as, as each yeah. region gets a, gets a landmark um, I, I can't I can't tell you how good I think this
1: is for the game um, yeah it's going to be cool it's always cool to see new card types and open up more stuff for deck building and you know just play styles and stuff like that.
0: Hollis, do you think anything else, any thoughts on the, the actual
2: mechanic of this, this car type? Um, I hope I kind of feel like because of their cost that my loan might make some of these, if they weren't already considered like possibly not competitive, right? My only concern is that some of these are so expensive they have to. They have to have an effect that has got to be equivalent to the unit you're not getting playing at that same mana cost. And I act, I kind of feel like it's fairly easy in some cases to look at these and some of these that we already see and go like, yeah, this is probably not very good. Or maybe you know, like this. This might be very hard to be impactful in a good way onto your deck um, or in your deck. So I don't know. I I, I think it's awesome. As a mechanic. I I like having alternative things to units being playable cards, right? And I hope we see even more unique things like that. I think they were on the verge of something like that when you consider cards like War Mothers, right? I I bet War Mothers is probably the kind of effect that would lend itself well to cards like landmark cards, I think. But um, I'm hoping that um, they really flesh this out even more because this this seems pretty cool to
1: to me. Sweet. Corey? I mean, that was a Hollis covered a lot of it. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, no, no, it's great. It's great. Yeah, same thing. Like, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the other ones are going to be for the other regions. And if this also becomes a card type that can really open up, it can really help some of maybe the lesser archetypes in a faction, because then they can theme a landmark around it, maybe give it that boost to see more playability, um, or to see cool deck ideas that get built around it. People love build own cards especially newer players. They find something they can easily gravitate towards it and build a deck around it and see what happens. So
0: I really think that what this is going to do is going to challenge deck building in the game. I think it's going to open up new wind conditions. Uh, I think it's going to push the design space. Most importantly, I think it adds a level of, I don't want to say complexity, but another Another level to this game that's gonna keep attracting top card players, um, mm. because it's not so much um, that basic game that was released in core, right? It's it. This is another, you know, very deep mechanic that that can be definitely explored and can definitely be something that uh, you, you know people just gravitate towards. So I think we're gonna see a a, a new wave of of players come in and that's really exciting and good for the game there is so much stuff coming in October I, I think we're just under a week away for the new expansion for Legends of Ruterra make sure you're tuning in grab us on the socials, subscribe rate us, thumbs up everything you guys can to help us out we really appreciate it Um, we will be definitely here covering it all. Thank you all. And we'll check you later. Catch you next time. Later.
2: Have a good night.